0: Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipness.
1: Life can change in an instant. We never know how, we never know why, we never know what life is going to bring us. And sometimes it can lead us in a new direction. Sometimes it can fire us up about the current direction we're on. Sometimes it can really enhance what we're doing and how we help our clients um, in the entrepreneurial space. So we're going to learn a lot about that. We're going to talk about a story that led post-change to a difference in the world. This is Adam Kipnis, host of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. Appreciate you being on. I want to thank C Suite Radio for hosting the podcast. I also want to thank my sponsor, The Wine Ambassador, which is America's fastest growing wine club. If you like wine and don't want to have to make random decisions picking wine up off of the grocery store shelf, but have it delivered right to your house, go to wineadam.com and learn more about what they're doing there. I'm really excited about today's conversation because Change can put us in a whole different world, change everything that we're doing. And after a successful career in marketing and higher education, today's guest underwent a surgery that taught her that life can be short and her priorities were off. She then committed to living a life as authentically as possible versus simply just going through the motions. Knowing that each day is a gift, she began shaping her time by folding paper. Using the tips and tools developed during her recovery, She now helps others find true work life balance through better time management. When she's not passionately sharing the philosophy of Origami Day, you'll find her living life to the fullest with family, friends, her handsome husband, and her favorite dog. I believe there are two dogs, so we won't tell one that is her favorite. (laughs) Samantha Lane, thanks for joining today.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. Just from, I love when people reach out with a different story, doing a different thing. They can Mm -hmm. really just bring a whole new flavor, a whole new direction to the audience Mm -hmm. because there's so many people out there that are going through different things. We never know who's going to touch them in the right way to give them the business advice, the business experience, and the lessons they can't learn in school, which is the premise of the show. So I always like to learn a little bit about sort of your path to entrepreneurship and you went through a more traditional path. So I'd love to hear about where you got started and leading up to the surgery that that effectively changed your life. So why don't we start a little bit with that story?
0: Yeah, so the short version um, is that I, I went through the motions that I thought we were all supposed to go through. Um, finish high school, go to college, graduate from college, get a job, find a husband, buy a house, that whole thing. And I was doing that, and as a naturally ambitious person, I think I was doing that fairly well. Um, but at times, I think maybe a little too well in certain areas and found myself um, as somewhat of a workaholic, um, really misprioritizing the value of life um, and letting my ambition take over. So when I was 29 years old, I ended up actually having to have my chest cut open and that was a surgery that really shifted my life and helped me realize that um, my priorities were off and that time is really our most finite resource. You can always make more money, you can never make more time. And that really, um, took my passion for, um, productivity, for creative, for connecting with people, for all the past jobs that I'd had. And it turned it into, um, I need to find a way to live a better life. And once I figured that out, that really turned me into a business owner because I honestly, more than anything, felt like I'd figured it out and I couldn't hold that information to myself. I needed to share it.
1: That's, that's awesome. And, and so th- The the, the surgery, did that come from, did you overwork and overstress yourself? Was this something that was just out there and it just happened to bubble up? Those things, Uh. things just coincided?
0: It just honestly, it kind of coincided. The weird thing is the surgery was planned. I actually was diagnosed with a chest wall deformity. That's not that uncommon. It's called pectus excavatum. And it pretty much has your, it sounds like a Harry Potter spell, but it's really a (laughs) chest wall (laughs) deformity, but it pretty much had my sternum sitting on my heart and was making it very difficult for me to breathe. And I'm a pretty healthy person. And so I knew something was wrong. So that was a whole side note of being an advocate for your own health. But um, I knew I'd be out of commission for four weeks, I planned to be out of commission. I planned for my dogs to be fed, my husband to be fed, you know, all that kind of stuff. But what I couldn't have planned for was the complications. And I just had a lot of them from, you know, not being able to be back at work four weeks post surgery to not being able to use my left arm for a period of time to having a staph infection in my chest for months. And so it was one of those things that really just kind of humbled me and made me realize I can control all the things I want, but I can't control everything.
1: Well, we wish we could, right? And how antsy were you during that time period? Was it antsiness to the point of almost depression
0: that you couldn't do anything? Post-surgery? Post-surgery. You know, it's weird. I, I, I think it was the start, really, of an ongoing um, existential crisis. And so there was this back and forth of clarity, um, like suddenly I, under, I understood the purpose of life and like I suddenly had information that past me didn't have and this awareness. But then there was also this looming, well, what am I supposed to do with this? This like lost feeling of, I now know what I believe to be important, but how do I how do I commit to that? How do I change my life around that? Does that make sense?
1: You no, know, it totally makes sense. and And it leads to the question of, Was starting a business one of those things or was just getting your word out that led to the business?
0: The the latter. It was honestly, you know, I, I realize in hindsight, you know, when I stop and I look back, Technically, this was not the first business I ever started. Back in the day, my dog, I love her. She loved other dogs. So I, I started a business right out of school that was, that was boarding and walking other people's dogs, mostly so she would have friends. And uh, so I realized now, in hindsight, that I'm innately a businesswoman, um, and that's always who I was. But it took that experience for, for it to come out, because really, my primary goal after the surgery was live better. And then once I figured out how to do it, then it was really the nudging of other people who started using my products and leaning on me for support that when those people started having better lives and that, that encouragement, Hey, you really need to reach more people with this. And that's really what turned it into a business.
1: Interesting. So, so what was the message? What was the message that, that you, you knew you had to share with the world?
0: That you can be present in your life while still being productive. And I feel like we often think those things are counters and that they're opposite ends and that you can only have one and not both, but I have found that you can, you can do both. And so that is what I want people to understand. You know, you can have job love. You can be really productive. You can be a rock star in your career and you can be home for dinner with your kids and make it to their softball games and cherish a moment with your grandmother. Like all that is possible.
1: And you don't have to, after dinner, then go and do 10 more hours of work and get no sleep.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So through this, living this yourself and then sharing it with other people, what was the hardest part about taking what was in your head and in your life and finding a medium to share it with other people?
0: Mm there were a lot of things that were hard. I feel like people always say, starting a business is hard. And I'm like, that's not true. You pretty much go online, you buy a domain, you do a business license. That part's easy. It's if you choose to grow that business, which I think is the the challenge. If you choose for that business to be profitable enough that it's not a hobby. If you want that business to make enough money to one day hire you, that's the challenge. And so with that came so many challenges. I joke all the time that um, I'm married for love and therefore sealed my fate to work forever. My husband is a fireman. And so that was a huge factor in my post-surgery path because I knew I needed to live my life, but I also knew I had to keep a job. And so that's really what prompted me to get creative and find solutions that ultimately ultimately became my business. And so I say that to say, You know, a lot of people decide I'm going to start a business and they have a little bit of planning time and then they kind of like quit their jobs and, and like jump into it full, full steam. I didn't have that choice. That was not even an option for me. So I really waded into the business and started out once I knew it needed to exist. It was two hours a week that I could give to it and then maybe five and then seven and then 12. And then it was really not that long ago that I went full-time into the business and I had to grow that way because of all those challenges, because I, it, you know, for me, my trade off was time or money, you know, not having one, but maybe having the other and doing all this while still staying true to my core, which was work-life balance.
1: Right, right. That's, it's interesting that you say that because you came from a marketing background mm-hmm. and marketing is the lifeblood of any business. Mm-hmm. How did you not just spend all your time marketing, right? You can get really caught up in it and you can say, all right, I've got this business. I know I need to grow it. And it's easy to get lost in it a little bit. How do yeah. you find the work like life balance of marketing and making money mm-hmm. for your business?
0: Yeah. So honestly, I think it was really, um, the the beginning i spent some time what i call incubating i was very i love reading books and listening to podcasts and all the stuff especially around business and one of the first books that i read when i made the decision to start my business was zero to one and i'm not sure if you've read that one it's very I have good not. Oh, it's so good. One of the best things that that is referenced in that book is this like false belief of overnight successes. And we get so excited about the overnight success when the reality is almost no business is an overnight success. And they equated it to a chicken hatching out of an egg. People get so happy, like, cool, the chicken's hatching. It's so great. But they ignore all that time that the chicken incubated and spent time in the shell, You know, growing legs that were strong, going, growing um, wings and a beak—all the things that were necessary to bust out of that shell—and that being one of the first things that I listened to with this mindset of I'm going to start a business—really helped me to decide that I am playing the long game, and so it was more important for me to build a. Sturdy foundation and get my business legs strong and get my business beak strong before I even tried to bust out of any shell. And so that was a really good counter to this this typical entrepreneurial hustle of like work all the hours, try to grow as far and as fast as you can. You know, I just decided in the very beginning that wasn't the path I was going, and therefore everything after that was different and better.
1: Well, and it sounds like you had a, you had a good plan, you had a good strategy. When did when did you know you had a business and not a hobby? You brought up a hobby before. Oh. When did you know for yourself that this was this thing was real?
0: So actually, it um, I had a hunch and I, I entered a business pitch competition with my local entrepreneur center. And the way they did it was a 48 hour business launch. So you go in on a Friday, you get matched with a team and for 48 hours, they prep you to pitch to these judges to try to win $10,000 of startup cash. So during that 48 hour business launch, um, I remember that weekend going home to my husband and I was like, This is the best weekend of my life. And he's like, um like not our wedding? I was like, oh, I mean, I'm so sorry, but yeah, kind of. And except for then and- minus then, the second best weekend of my life. So then um, you know, I was so just immersed with people who knew so much about business, great resources, people who were looking at me and saying, oh, this is good, you are strong, like this is gonna work, you're gonna win $10,000. And I ultimately pitched and word on the street was I lost by a whisker hair, Uh, but I I didn't win $10,000. But that experience made me realize this needs to grow, like this is not a hobby, this is something that our culture desperately needs. And so that was really what helped me you know, feel that confidence to keep doing it.
1: I love it. We're talking with Samantha Lane on the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. So Samantha, I want to now pivot a little bit to, to where you are today. You've got mm-hmm. the business, you've got clients, you've got a, a brand and a style and uh, a drive around you, but it started with folding paper, or mm-hmm. at least that's what it says on your website. We haven't yeah. talked about this. So what does that mean?
0: Okay. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a little confusing. A lot of times people reach out to me and they're like, Oh, can you teach a class on origami? I'm like, I can't. Um, but (laughs) the, I'll explain first the, uh, in conjunction with that, I'll kind of explain why it's called origami day. So during my recovery, I was very focused on, okay, how do I do it? How do I still be really productive in my job? How do I perform at the level that my company needs me to perform at while still being balanced and living in my life? And so what that ultimately boiled down to is I created a folding piece of paper. And that folding piece of paper was a way to map out my entire week, uh, utilizing a lot of great time management practices and theories. and then fold that down to only have to look at one day at a time. And that piece of paper that started just on the scratch, scratch pieces of paper, random things as I was having like, you know, overwhelming anxiety about how do I get it together? Um, that became the cornerstone of my prop of my business. That product started it all. And then I eventually created a companion piece to that, which is a 14 month calendar and a notebook in one, because I tried really hard to find, that tool again, because I, I go back to, I learned so much about um, efficiency and productivity and time management and I wanted tools that supported those those philosophies and, and could not find them. So ultimately created them. And so the reason the business is called Origami Day and that folding paper is because that first piece of paper, the tool that saved my life really was a folding eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. And then the other piece is I grew up in a Japanese American home and origami is the Japanese word for folding paper or the um, beautiful fold. And it was a way part of the Japanese culture is to pay respect to your ancestors. And so this was a way I felt that I could do it. It all just felt too much like uh, the right fit.
1: (laughs) That's great. And origami is um, is taking something and shaping it in a way that fits, which is kind Mm -hmm. of what you do with your clients' days right you 're hoping their their days now a number of uh, small business owners probably think they have good time management mm-hmm. They're like I get up at six in the morning, I go to bed at eleven at night and I fit everything in and I know what i 'm doing hour to hour mm-hmm. and so that 's time management, but that 's not necessarily the best version of time management. How do you have them think differently because it 's not just fitting things into a time period, it's fitting the right things into the right time period, correct?
0: Oh, and so much more than that. So here is one thing that I think is so um, important to talk about, and I think that, especially as I work with more companies and see people at varying levels up the chain, everyone wants work-life balance. I think somewhere we all forgot when we worked for someone else, we thought, well, they just need me to work all the time and they just, all they care about is work. When the reality is everyone just wants to live a better life. I mean, it's human nature. And so part of what I really focus on is having more of the conversation within companies um, to help people realize that we're all in the same place, trying to walk the same direction. We want the same thing. And then part of that too is is helping people connect with the reality of time. Our time is finite. We cannot make any more. We have only 24 hours in each day, 168 hours in a week. And the trickier part is we don't even know how much of that we truly get. We don't know when our time expires. Not to get too morbid and creepy, but that's kind of what, what my experience taught me. And so with that, I don't just teach people, you know, um, work on the right things, I am all about helping people to make the most of their time. I have not figured out how to make more time as far as I can tell I can't. So I focus on how to help people be as efficient as possible in the time that they have. So instead of working 50 hours a week, you're only working 40 hours a week, but you're getting 50 hours a week of work done. And there are ways to do that. And that's really what I focus on with people.
1: Interesting, because we all... we, we, always, we always find ways to waste time, even oh, when yeah. we're not intentionally wasting time. but I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the, the corporate work that you do, because a lot of people who listen to the show have employees, mm-hmm. and work-life balance to the business owner is going to be a very different thought process than maybe work-life balance for employees, mm-hmm. right? especially you know 40-hour employees. How do you help each? maybe learn the other side so they can really understand what it means uh, for other people to have work-life balance.
0: Yeah, and perhaps this is my background in communication. Um, I believe everything is communicating expectations. So much of my uh, workaholic nature was was self-induced, and that even included self-induced external expectations. So what I thought my boss wanted maybe wasn't actually what she cared about, um, but it was what I thought she wanted. So I really encourage companies to have the conversations and let's expectation set, let's get on the same page. Let's make sure that um, instead of me thinking that you need Um, a response from something right away, let's talk about when you need that response. Or instead of me thinking that just because you've brought me a new task, it has to happen right now, like that may not be where that boss is coming from. So so communicating those expectations helps to prevent self-induced pressure that causes people to burn out.
1: Interesting. And, And so a fair amount of organizational change and procedural change goes into the, I guess the final result with the clients that you work at. That you work with, correct?
0: Oh yeah, we we usually it's it's neat. Um, I really love staying in my lane, and I think the best businesses are the ones that stay true to their core. Um, with that said, there are a lot of periphery things that touch work life balance and time management, and sometimes that's simply um, you know I've worked with teams and said. I'm here with the supervisor, we're talking about what we're going to do in terms of like their personal time management. And what ultimately results of that is new workflows for the entire team. So, or new expectations around communication, like for example, because I see them here, headphone, the headphone rule, just working with companies to implement something as simple as we all now agree that if you see me working and I have two earbuds in, that means I'm busy, please come back. If you see me with one earbud, that means I'm busy, but what do you need? If you see me with no earbuds, that means I'm open to collaboration. And something so simple as that, that starts with me working with one executive and that that decision trickles down to the whole team, you'd be amazed what that does for output.
1: It's amazing to hear and it's so simple. To, so simple. So simple. So. I want to talk a little bit about some of the executives. So who's more resistant, I guess, is the question. When you come into a company and you're going to implement change, even to the benefit of the employees and the entire department or the entire firm, where do you see more resistance? Is it on the employee side or is it on the executive owner manager side?
0: You know, that's a hard one to answer because that does change. You know, there, it's hard for me to even think that there's too much commonality because it's always at the core of the individual. So what I say all the time is, if, if you don't want to make a change in your life, if you don't want to live a better life, then there's nothing I can do to help you. And sometimes that pushback comes from an executive and sometimes that pushback comes from an employee. And so it's really hard to answer that because there's not really a clear demographic with that in terms of you know male, female, this age, this level in the hierarchy. I see it all over the place. The bigger consistency is if someone is too apprehensive, whether it comes from fear, disbelief, maybe they're like, Oh, you're a young girl. What do you know? Like whatever that is that causes them to not be open to it. That's, that's the issue. And so, I mean, I've literally said in far too many trainings, if you don't want to change, I can't help you. And I don't want to sound, you know, like washing my hands of it when I say that, um but that's that's really what it is people have to want to live a better life in order to do it
1: and i bet there's a fair number of people that when they hear that they snap to a little bit because they're like they don't realize that they're they don't want to change
0: well and i i was like that too past me i woke up every day and i got dressed and i just had traffic and i drove to work because i thought that's what i had to do um and it was only that realization that epiphany of oh my gosh i control every action I control my days. I control my time. That was really part of what I needed to learn to to make all the rest of it work. So, you know, it's, it's scary um, to want to go against the grain. Um, in the beginning, it is a little bit counterculture, but that's part of what I want to do is make it not counterculture. I want our culture to be more supportive of work-life balance and help people to not be scared of making that change in their life. I
1: think that's, that's such a great resource. That's such a great need. I want to bring a question back to to the building of your business. So you, you, you learned in yourself how to change yourself. You brought that to your clients at the same time you were creating products. So you've got your knowledge based training that you do and the speaking and, and the, the, the corporate side of it, but then you have products that you created. Mm-hmm. How did you personally balance the the, the product creation, the creative side Along with the, all right, I've got clients to take care of. I've got preparation. I've got work. How did you balance those two and not give up one for the other?
0: Yeah, that's a really great question. And the, the just honest answer is when I started my business, I thought it was all about the products because to me, that was um, part of work-life balance to me was not time for money. And so I thought, oh, products are good because products can sell in my sleep and I'll still be able to have work-life balance. And so I started with the products and it was only after you know getting into that creation which is tough manufacturing that whole like that's a whole another conversation yeah. <laughs> is is retail and and that manufacturing um but it was only once though that ball was already kind of rolling that i realized that because the products are intentionally different people don't always know what to do with them or they need a little bit of uh um education around why. And I realized the philosophy of the training. So all that to say, that was kind of already moving. And then the services kind of grew out of that. First, it was direct to consumer, B2C. And then those individuals said, this is so good, I need you to come in and train my team. And so then the B2B kind of came from that, And then the last piece that really became part of the business was telling my story because I'm not going to lie to you in the very beginning, I never told anyone why. I never admitted to being a workaholic. I never told people I had my chest cut open. Even my website still has a very vague reference to where it all began. (laughs) And so it was only over time that I realized that my story mattered and that somehow it helps people. And so that was sort of the last piece of the services. So I was very lucky, I guess, instead of having to have those, those growth channels compete I was able to build one get it moving build the next get it moving and kind of like build them off of each other
1: I appreciate you walking us through that because it's really important for people out there that either have a product but they don't know what to do around it or they have something but they need a product and they don't know how to do it so I appreciate you walking us through that two more questions for me as we wrap up one is now that your business is going um you're, you're getting a name for yourself, but where do your clients come from? What do you do on the marketing side to mm-hmm. bring clients in your door that other people can learn from?
0: You know, and that's a huge growth area for me. Um, as I mentioned, the, the business has evolved. So I think the marketing has to evolve with it. And um, I am the first to admit, and if this is what everyone who starts a business should remember, is uh, we don't know everything. And the beautiful thing about starting a business is that every day you get to learn what you don't know, and then hopefully you get to go out and learn that. And that's my favorite part about it. And so as much as I came from marketing, I've spent the past few years becoming a time management expert. And so I still get to learn every day what's hip with marketing and how do you do it? And so that's a fun challenge for me. Um, At the core, nothing has grown my business better, faster, more genuinely, or stronger than serving my customers. When my, I, I judge my success on impact and that impact ultimately is what converts to dollars. And so if I sit down with you and we have a consulting session, I make sure that the best marketing I can do is for you to walk out of our sessions together and feel like a new person and make sure that your life is so much better than when we started, that your wake is only positive. And that's the best marketing that I've Found. So much of my business has come from serving customers well and giving them the tools to go out and tell people.
1: And well, I know awesome. that kind of
0: sounds cliche because you know, marketing one on one is customer service.
1: <laughs> well, well, it is, but but a lot of times we don't necessarily equate the two. It's very strange. One of my coaches always says, "You take care of your customers, your customers will take care of your profits." Mm-hmm. But we don't always think about it because we're like, we should do social media, or we should do this, or we should do that. Where if you do a great job they will, people will tell others, you'll have better stories, you'll feel differently about yourself. So I I think it's a really important part of marketing is taking care of other people.
0: Yes. And I think part of that is accessibility to customers. So every time a customer sends me a DM on Instagram or they send me an email and they say, this is so great. This has changed my life. I always turn that around to, can I share this on my marketing? Can you give me a success story for social media? Do you have like, like that, that's a great thing to leverage. Those are your cheerleaders. Those are the people that you need to empower, leverage their their success and help them to, you know, thank you so much. Here's a free something and let's, let's keep going.
1: I love it. And then you can, obviously done properly, a raving fan is going to buy from you again. So it's, Mm -hmm. all right, what's the next level of success that you can bring to that client? I love it. Um, Final question for me is, you know, we we all need your services, right? We all have some sort of work-life balance issue. I'm a, I work 24 hours a day and I play 24 hours a day.
0: Uh-huh.
1: I, I just equate them. So I don't know if I'm going to work at eight at night or if I'm going to play at eight at night because it's going to sure. change from day to day. Uh, but we all need some guidance and some thought, but where, where do they start? They, obviously they can go to origamiday.com and see more about what you do and see some, There are some great videos on there where you can see Samantha just talking through some of her presentations, but where does somebody start where they're like, they're running themselves ragged. They're probably in the car going to a client meeting or going to work or whatever, Mm -hmm. listening to the podcast. What do they do now to put themselves in a position to move forward?
0: Yeah, great question. And it really can be overwhelming. To, and you and you can often not know where to start. So I kind of already touched on this, it's mindset. So the first step is always, do you want to make a change? Are you willing to get uncomfortable for a minute or devote the time or the money or whatever it takes to figure out how to turn that into a better life? Devote an hour or two of sitting down with me and then look at what that means for the time you save down the road. So, so I say that to say, people need to first decide that they want it and that they're willing to try to make it. And then I can give you the simple tips that say, um, follow my social media, sign up for my newsletter. I try very hard to only put out information that helps people. On top of that, um, one of my favorite things to tell people is every Friday, make a plan for the next week that right there will reduce anxiety, it will increase productivity, it will help your output. Um, My cornerstone product, the folding weekly planning sheet, that is available for a free digital download. So I'm so passionate about helping people live their lives better, I give that away. And so if someone is right now stressed out, decide you want it, then go to origamiday.com, grab that sheet, and today is Friday. Every Friday moving forward, just go ahead and make your plan for the next week. Your Sunday scaries will will melt away. Your productivity will be better. That is probably the best, the best first steps. And then from there, contact me. We can keep going.
1: Perfect. Appreciate you spending a few minutes on the show. I I, I love your passion around what you do, your passion around business, and just uh, giving to the audience uh, just some great steps and some great information. Thanks, Samantha. really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thank you.
1: You're very welcome. And thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. Look forward to having you on the next episode.
0: You've been listening to the Entrepreneur's MBA.
1: Download Adam's free book, how to make more money in your business at www.freebookfromadam.com.